Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. This is where men talk about the kind of stuff that men don't talk about. Put your hard hat on, get ready for a ride. Here we go. Hey, welcome to Manalyzing. In this episode, I interview Riley and Jordan Hanks. These guys are made for sharing their story and what a story they have to tell. There are a couple of places where we paused. One, we, because he was being emotional and he needed a Kleenex. What he said during that break, I couldn't take it out. And you'll, uh, as you listen, you'll find that break. That is an inspiration. These guys, they said much, but the greatest meaning that I took from these guys is what was unsaid, what the nonverbal stuff was. And then there's an outtake. You gotta stay on for that too. I love these guys. They are the definition. They are the meaning of an inspiration. And if you live your life without hearing this interview, you haven't lived your life fully yet. Here we go. Welcome to Manalyzing, where men talk about, and women talk about, Stuff that <laughs> men don't talk about. So, Jordan, you've been on before. Yes, and it was so fun. And I'm so glad to be back. That was, I can't tell you how many people have uh, have come back to us and said, my goodness, I don't know her, but I sure wish I did. Oh, that's so nice to hear. Uh, you're an inspiration. Wow, thank you. And uh, you are supported by... My best buddy right here. Rye Rye, my guy. <laughs> who's who's this big ugly guy here? This is my cute hubby. His name is Riley and he is my bestest friend. Yeah, excited to be here. <laughs> so Riley, tell me tell me about tell me about Jordan. Oh, Jordan's just the best person I know. <laughs> yeah, she's a like you said, an inspiration and she's my best friend. She uh yeah, Jordan just has a way with people. She can connect to people. She can talk to anyone and make a friend with anyone. Uh-huh. And I love that about her. That sounds yeah. like somebody I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Julie is that one person who is so much energy and sunshine and that uh, that she just, you know, everybody is just drawn to her like moths to a flame. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great example. I love and it. Sometimes, sometimes I go, wait, I'm here too. Um, but I go, my next thought is, yeah, that's why you married her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> You're yes. welcome. No, Jordan, just kidding. Jordan lights up every day. She's awesome. So, I'm just going to say it this way. Your light is brilliant. Oh, thank you. And uh, for those who haven't listened to your previous podcast, which by I'm, – I'm just going to say this right now. If, if somebody who's listening to this – if you haven't listened to Jordan's previous podcast, your life is not complete. Oh my gosh, she's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, why don't you just kind of uh, talk about all of the non, all of the awesome things that are happening to you uh, physically, and then and then we're going to go down the road. Yeah. So I last time I was on here, well, I was right before. 
a big laparoscopic surgery that is just exploratory. Basically what that means is they have a little peek inside my abdomen to see if there's any lesions of cancer anywhere. So they might be really tiny to from a half millimeter to anywhere the size of a big tumor. You know, they can just be so small and so big. And so they want to explore that area to make sure that they're getting all the cancer gone with all my chemo. And so on August 4th, I was able to have that done and everything is looking a lot better. There's a lot of shrinkage with areas that had a lot of spread. And then with certain areas that they biopsied, there wasn't any cancer that they thought could be cancer. So that's really, really good. So we're looking forward to the future, six months of chemo, and then maybe some more exploratory um, laparoscopies for me in the future. So you're not just finding out that you may have cancer. Right. Not may have cancer. Definitely got cancer. But yeah, so. Riley, um, talk to me about uh, the day that you found out she's got cancer. Oh, man. Yeah, we were. That was a crazy day. So Jordan was sick for basically her whole pregnancy, like extremely sick. Mm -hmm. um, but it was the stomach cancer masking as like pregnancy illness. So we thought she just had hyperemesis where you're just throwing up every day. Um, and so Jordan was throwing up for like a year straight, like an insane amount of, of nausea and vomiting. And so we finally went in one day thinking that she's just, she was just losing a lot of weight. We had to do feeding tubes and all sorts of IV infusions and stuff to keep her going because mm -hmm. she was just vomiting so much. Um, but basically we showed up at the hospital and that, that was just, I, I can still remember the day vividly, but it was pretty, it was a hurricane, you know, it was pretty crushing, heavy. I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> let's, put, let's put you in the uh, in the doctor's office, and the doctor. How did he word that? Well, it was kind of crazy because I had. Well, this is probably vivid for some people, so just warning you. But yeah, but um, I had thrown up my feeding tube because I was throwing up so ferociously that it threw up my feeding tube from my stomach all the way up my esophagus. And so they were very, very worried about me. And that's why we went to the doctors that day was we actually went to the hospital. They were planning on doing a feeding tube where it clips to your stomach so that it can't come up when you throw up because it's got some weight down there. And so while they did that, they also did a biopsy of my stomach because previously to going in to get the feeding tube, they did an MRI as well. And the MRI showed thickening on my stomach. And so we were in the um, room like after I had done my feeding tube and I was kind of, you know, a little bit out of it. And they were like, well, we need to just get the biopsies back, but we'll be back. And then they came back and gave us the news and there was four doctors there all to come tell us it was what we thought stage four cancer gastric signet ring stage four um what does stage four mean stage four means that it has spread to other organs so for example for me it went from my stomach to my ovaries okay. and so it means that it has spread from where it was originally found and then in this most recent surgery, you, you were you mentioned that it was not in your stomach or your ovaries, but it was in like it was somewhere else. Right. So what happened is it originally started in my stomach, sloughed a little bit down to my ovaries because my ovaries are right below the stomach area mm -hmm. in my body anatomically. And so my ovaries were removed at my C-section 
And then 80% of my stomach was removed in September of last year. So I only have a little kiwi-sized stomach now, and that'll go as soon as I'm done with all my kiwi. And so I'm not totally attached to it anymore. You know, I can live without it. It'll be fine. But once I had that surgery, they think what could have happened is that during the surgery, any of those little cells of cancer from my original tumor in my stomach could have fallen out and into my abdominal area and started a couple little dots. So they, the way that they described it was that it's almost like seeing a little sprinkle of powdered sugar on your pancakes, uh-huh. kind of like that. So just little dots of powdered sugar just spread throughout several of my organs. Riley, uh, now let's go back and put you in that doctor's office. And I'm going to ask you to be, I've already asked you to be vulnerable, but this is, this is vulnerable. Sure. Doctor told you she's got cancer. What are your thoughts? Well, because she was so sick beforehand, honestly, it answered a lot of questions. Like, we, we've seen so many doctors and trying to figure out what's wrong with her, you know. And so um, I'd say that day was tough. Cried a lot of tears. But I, it, I would say that day brought some closure, actually. You know, gave us, well, this is what it is. She's treatable, still curable, and then we got a road. So it was hard, but it wasn't devastating, if that makes sense. You know, I think the harder times were, you know. The, Before then. The, no, the marathon after. Yeah. Oh, the marathon after. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, you know, we could talk about what that marathon after looked like, but uh, I want to get a can opener and open your brain. And, uh, and instead of talking about the physical things that you did in that marathon after, I want to talk about what was going on in your brain. So for example, I, if it was me, I would have been, I don't know if I was programmed to do this. I'm pretty sure I'm going to suck at this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to take care of her and take care of the kids and take care of my job and pay the bills. And I don't even know what else. Yeah. That's how my brain would, would. Yeah. You feel like you're drowning. You got too many plates you're spinning for sure. Trying to keep it all in the air. And Jordan. Yeah. Like she, um, or sorry, going back to that day and the emotions I felt, we had a lot of other things too. I was becoming a new dad, you know, his first baby. We're wondering if we could keep him, you know, so, and we're also just very young, you know, like, so obviously the feelings were, sorry, I get a little emotional. Um, yeah, just a little fear, you know, being alone when you're that young, scary. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a billion years old and it would overwhelm me. Yeah. That's hard. How did you deal with the hard? Who did you go to? Everyone. Everyone. That's a good answer. That's the best answer but, I've heard. But I didn't, you know. I waited till, like you said, the regurgitation when you stuff everything down for so long. You know, uh-huh. It took about eight months. But About eight months? Yeah. Oh, there's so many directions I should go there. I don't even know which question to ask. Who? Let, let, eight months, when the eight months ended, who did you go to? Well, I mean, I, I went to, you know, started dealing with my trauma with a professional, did that, you know. But I also have some really close friends that... Yeah, we're just there. Really great. You were able to go to a friend and cry on his shoulder and say, I'm, what did you say? Did you say I'm overwhelmed? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Uh, you have a tissue or anything, maybe? I do. I'm so sorry. No worries. 
<laughs> oh, man. You're doing great, babe. Thanks. I'm proud of you. Love you. Love you, too. Ah, oh, man. I'm trying to hold it together for this stuff. No, Sorry. you're doing good. I'm just not as good as you are. <laughs> Sweetie, <laughs> there's nothing to apologize about. You're doing great. Yeah. You are. Well, no, no, no. I... You know, like I said, I go to therapy, so you ask me these questions, and it's naturally, like, I'm trained to go deep, so I uh-huh. try not to do that publicly on a podcast if I can avoid it, but I'll give you as much as I can, so as well, long as it's going to help someone, you that's know, all I can ask. I'd love to share the experience. That's so. how I feel, too. So, eight months, um, who did you talk to? Uh, I had a good friend, Justin, and I talked to my family, my siblings, um, and a few, I had some other close friends who helped me as well, but Justin was, yeah, my main go-to. Why Justin? He was available. Yeah, he was there for me. So, I have a good friend who talked, uh, who I talked to him about this podcast, Mentalizing, and he just, he didn't want to do it. It was too much. Yeah. And I had forgotten this whole event, but there was a moment when I was going through that divorce, and he goes, you came to me. And you tried to talk to me, and I set him up for failure. It's my fault. But he was at work. He ran a glass business. He was installing glass. He was taking phone calls, and I was trying to talk to him about my issues. And so he was giving me the best kind of answers that you can get if you're priority number three. And so he says that I uh, I left a few minutes later and just said, I got to go, which sounds like me. I don't remember any of this, but guys aren't built yeah. to be able to, to deal with somebody who's going, man, I need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, and it took me a long time to get to that point where I would talk to anyone. So a decade ago this year, my friend, best friend passed away and I kind of went stoic. Like I didn't feel emotion, uh-huh. apathy for everyone and everything. And I, I didn't go to therapy. I just did the gym, got really yoked and <laughs> obviously attracted Jordan. And that oh, was great. <laughs> I was attracted to more than but that. But that was my therapy at the time was the gym. And, and this event was basically because I had piloted everything for about 10 years. I had to. I was going to explode. So You were going to explode. Yeah. Because you'd been stuffing stuff down for so long. Decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to say the gym is probably better than I was interviewing uh, another guy, Todd, who he, he's a man's man. You know, he uh, he's been he knows his guns. He teaches guns. He knows his knives. He can talk about knives with anyone. Um, mm-hmm. If you if you need somebody in your corner, if there's a zombie apocalypse, you want to be around <laughs> Todd. That's what's like somebody I know. <laughs> I mean, Todd sound would be fair. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, they sound like they'd have a lot to talk about. And uh, he um, was a cop, and he was dealing with human uh, trafficking. Oh, that's hard. Uh, you know, he was arresting guys who'd just barely raped a bunch of six-year-olds. Uh, he was that guy, and he, he didn't go to the gym. He he turned to his good friend Jack Daniels. Hmm. Oh yeah. And that's so sad. That's. Probably not the, the world's best best friend. So at least you didn't turn to Jack. But I still covered it up, you know. I mean, Jack it would be just a way to, it's like you said, stuff it down in a more har- harsh way, right? But uh-huh. we all mask it. We all hide it and bury it with something, you know. So you were actually able to go from masking and burying t- 
talk to me about when you stopped masking and burying. Mm. Yeah. So that, yeah, where do I start with that? So Jordan was really sick. She's getting a different chemo treatment than she is now, or mm-hmm. she was at the time. And it was probably the harshest chemotherapy you can receive. So she was pretty much just in bed. Then we had a little baby who his lungs weren't fully developed. So, you know, it was just kind of solo caring for a NICU child in her home. And uh-huh. So just got, it got really hard. Yeah. yeah. And so you can get all the help in the world, but being the sole parent to a child that needs help and a wife that needs help is just a, yeah. another level, right? Like yeah. we still had help with family and it uh, doesn't matter. I'm also like, a manager at a great company and or was, and I had to step down from that. Like I said, spinning too many plates. And so, yeah, like life just got so full that, you know, we had to unpack some things. I had to go talk to people. And you finally did. I did. What was the tipping point? Yeah, felt like your mind, you know, felt like your mind's going. If you were to give, how old are you now? 31. If you were to give, how how old were you when you found out she had cancer? It's been a year, so 30. You were 30, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was I was turning 30, you were 30. 31-year-old you is giving 30-year-old you advice. Hmm. I think I would have handled things differently than I did. You know, I didn't do perfectly, but hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I, right? I could give myself a lot of good advice and probably help myself, but uh, I think, yeah, if I had to do that, the advice I would give would be, yeah, just do it sooner, you know. Do what sooner? Talk to people, reach out, get help. When, you're in, when your life is so crazy, you just need help, you need people. Talk to people. What if the guy you talk to, uh, again, I'm filtering this through my own brain. Yeah. Um, what if the person you talk to is going, man, I don't know how to deal with this. Let's talk about Buffalo Bills instead. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I needed an outlet. So uh-huh. I would keep looking for an outlet probably. I, you know, I, and if that's your close buddy, you can't, you know, you can't expect that. Cause I did have other friends that I couldn't open up deeply in certain ways too, because it's not them, you know? Uh-huh. So having this friend that was open to talk about this and he, he I'm not trying to share his business. Uh, you know, he'd been through some hard times too. So he was, he understood maybe the man, you know, the stuffing it down and the feelings. Uh-huh. So he was open to it a lot of the time too. <laughs> a lot of the time too, it would be just hanging out. We wouldn't talk about things. It would be just mainly having someone to hang out with. And, you know, for me, a break in routine was huge, you know, with taking care of a NICU baby and Jordan. And so, yeah, we were able to get a break from routine. Getting a break from the sick house. Yeah. <laughs> the sick house. Um, and I'm going to ask you what may be an obvious question, but there came a I'm sure many times, most of many days when it was like, this is more than. Yeah. I know you couldn't go to Jordan because I know you can't, but I'm going to ask you that question. Why couldn't you go to Jordan? She's fighting her own fight, you know. Uh-huh. I'm just going to pile more weight on her. <laughs> can't do that. So Can't do that. Mm-hmm. My shoulders can handle it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> they could. Like, you know, <laughs> and I, like I said, I'm really... We're really lucky. Like we can talk about the challenges and the hard times, but honestly, I, ha- I you know, we're getting through it, and we're really blessed. We're very lucky to have each other. And and when I have a hard day, Jordan has a good day, and when she has a bad day, I have a good day, and it works out good. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. I think that's why it's so important as couples to have each other's backs because you're not always on at the same time, and you're not always off at the same time. You know, it's like. It's a push and pull, and it's something where he needs something in a certain way, and then I have to give it that way, and then 
I need something a certain way and he gives it the other way, you know, like physically or emotionally or mentally or spiritually, all of that, you know, plays into this. And it's this, you know, game of lifting each other up and moving forward. Right. So I'm, I'm thinking again, if it's me, I'm going to, I'm going to go, I can't unload that on her. She's got her own issues. Uh, It's selfish for me to unload that on her. So I can't and I won't. And what you're saying is, how do you respond to some to, to a thought like that? Well, we've actually had a lot of conversations like that. He'll come to me and say, and I can tell that something's off. And so I'll ask, like, what's going on? Just talk to me. And he's like, I can't. You are going through so much. I can't be a burden on top of all of these other burdens that you already have. And for me, I just say, I'm sorry, but yours is the only burden that I want to carry. Yours is the only burden that I actually want to have on my back with me because it means that I am there for you the way I need to be there for you. That's what I signed on for when we got married. That's part of this commitment, right, is being committed through the hard times, and that's right now, and I need to be here for you, and this is my way to do that. So open up. Let me in. You know? Bang the door down. (laughs) And, you know, there's moments where I do that to some degree, but most of the time, you know, yeah, yeah we don't. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't unload it all because you should and you can't. But Jordan has right, lifted but, me in some really heavy times. Yeah. 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 Just as long as things. I let him know that I'm ready for it whenever you're ready, yeah. I think is important on my end to make sure that that door is always open on uh-huh. my end, you know? I help her go. I keep going physically and she helps me emotionally and mentally. Yeah. So, yeah. You know. It's a little different, but it's a, kind of awesome. Something she's to do. Yeah. It's kind of awesome. It is awesome. <laughs> um, you know, because y- you're the one with the emotional load. And we like to think that we're invincible, that we can solve any problem, we can carry any load. We if there's an issue, we own it, it's ours, we got it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's totally false, of course. Yeah, well, that's what I learned because I used to believe that. Yeah, and then I think when you do that, it'll take you to a point where, you know, eventually you'll get tested to your max. And that's when eventually I had to reach out, yeah. And you probably had to let down your barrier with JoJo. (laughs) And you you definitely had to let down your barrier with your buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Why did you pick him? Well, like I said, I have a great friend group. All of them have been super supportive through all of it. really what it was was availability you know like a lot of my friends like you said when you're the third priority that's that's okay except like you have family or kids and they don't also don't have room for what you're going through justin was great because he was available and he had room for me and then he also made room you know he made time so he's big he's just a great friend Mm -hmm. so i set my buddy up to fail i set my buddy up to make me third priority Mm-hmm. If he would have known what was going on, he would have put down his phone. He would have stopped installing glass. Or maybe I would have gone to him after business hours and said, hey, I've got X, Y, and Z. He would have made he would have made time for me. So yeah. that's my fault. Yeah. And I'm not blaming him for making me third priority. Your buddy made you first priority. I'm guessing the difference is you probably told him, hey, I've got, I guess he already knew you had problem X. How did you do that? Because I, there, there's a million men everywhere going, man, how did you go to a dude who might see you being weak and 
he doesn't know how to do it. So he's going to just next to you as a friend. That's hard to say. Yeah. I, I don't know if I know how to answer that one correctly. Cause I think two years ago, I would have answered this question completely differently. You know, I would have said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to them. I wouldn't let my guard down. It was really out of need necessity. Uh-huh. It's falling apart. Needed something. Yeah. Needed someone, you know, you needed that strength. You needed people to help lift you. So yeah, he took a risk, he took a shot on it. And luckily it was something he was open to. You took the risk because you had to. The tank was overflowing. Exactly. It was going to be ugly no matter what. Right. <laughs> so yeah. at that point, yeah. there was nothing to lose. Yeah. Isn't that funny that it yeah. has to get to that point? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Like maybe you won't have any friends because you're falling apart so bad that you can't maintain those relationships anyway. So yeah. Did that go through your head? Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's hard. What are your thoughts when he says that? I mean, it was, it's, it's such an interesting thing for me because like he said, my first chemo, I was like a ghost walking. I mean, I was still there, but I wasn't there. I wasn't there emotionally. I wasn't there, um, you know, mentally, I was there physically, my physical body is here, you know, and I would get up out of bed to throw up, I would get out of bed to go to the bathroom, but that was it. I was in bed, bedridden, I had nothing, you know, going on up here. I didn't have all my faculties with me all the time. And so it it's so interesting because when he did finally come to me, like he said, eight months later, it's when I'm coming out of this crazy coma fog almost and coming out of a month stay in the hospital and coming out of all of these things where I'm finally starting to get back to a full grasp of reality if that makes sense just uh -huh. because I'd been in just kind of this crazy you were a zombie yeah I was a zombie yeah exactly and so when he did finally open up to me and he was talking to me about this breaking point of like I am um, how did you describe it? You said, I am self-inflicting all of this and I'm going to lose everything if I don't become vulnerable and talk about all these things. Um, self-jeopardizing or self... Yeah, yeah, almost. Yeah, like you're just, you're, you're oh, causing God. it on yourself. You know, like you're... Uh, you're, you're, you're causing all of the loss by thinking that you're going to lose everything or you're, does that make sense? I've heard a number of uh, marriages where, some, where she is having whatever issue and he goes, you know, and after whatever amount of time he goes, I'm not enough. I can't do this. This is, this is out of my capacities. And so he leaves and then everybody decides that he's a monster because she goes, she has a hard time and he's out. Um, but I think if a guy doesn't turn to that friend, if he doesn't find somebody, we'll all be overloaded. Any of us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what it was. It was just such a shock to me because like I said, I wasn't there. And then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, like you are in 
a really hard emotional place right now. How can I be there for you now that I can be there for you? And then I was so grateful to his friend, Justin, that was able to be there when I couldn't be there, you know, because he talked to me about this after he had already been talking to Justin and finally felt comfortable to talk to me about all of these things. And so I was so grateful that Justin was there. I'm so grateful that he had been building this relationship with him enough that he felt like he could risk it and talk about all of these things because I wasn't able to be there, which was a really sad thing for me because I want to be there for him every way I can. And I wasn't able to do that for a long time. So that was hard. Yeah. I, I, I hear you say you want to be there for him. And then I identify with, with your place because I'm there too. As like, I am not going to add to your issues. You know, you've got enough. And then I'm going to go back to you and then it's like, but I want to be there. Yeah. And then I go back to him and he's like, I can't put another pound of load on your plate. What's the answer? Well, I think if it was, mm, I just feel like in my head, this is the way that I see it. And I don't know if this is how you <laughs> see it. So I'm kind of like, huh, okay, we'll let's see how this goes. But I just feel like, okay. Clearly the brick wall is there. It is full of bricks and it exists. So for it not to be talked about between both of us means that he's trying to take it down brick by brick by himself. And if there's a hundred bricks and he's doing it by himself, it's going to take longer and it's going to be much more difficult than if I come in and start unloading some bricks. So yeah, I might be taking on a load for a minute, but that load will get dramatically lighter faster if we do it together. Does that make sense? How did it affect your relationship when he came to you and he said, I've got the following issues? I mean, it made me feel like I finally was able to see what he was going through. It made this, it's like when your windshield wipers are just wiping so fast, trying to get rid of the rain. And it's just like, keeps coming, keeps coming, keeps coming. And then as soon as he started talking to me about it, the rain kind of lightened up a little bit. And even though the wipers were going just as fast, I was able to see a little bit better into what his problems were so that I could be there and know, okay, here's where I can kind of fit and here's how I can help. And here's something that I can do, or here's something that I know could help you with somebody else too. Like this is something that you could take to this person or this person could help. And it helped me to be able to see a little bit better into what was going on. Right. You know? Well, and I guess it's, I might as well just say, like, I, yeah, I have pretty bad anxiety with this. It's something that kind of spurred off of all this. Uh, oh, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, a lot of stress. Um, and basically, oh, I lost my thought. But, uh, yeah, when, when, when I went to Jordan to tell her that, all that stuff that was going on, it was a release for me, you know. And it, it, I'm just grateful her capacity was large enough that she could take on that little bit and hear me out. But then, but then I did. I went and sought professional help, so that's someone, an outlet, someone I could talk to, uh -huh. and yeah. and I had a lot of friends. So, so I'm going to ask you the same question: How did it affect your relationship with her when the day that you opened up to her? Uh, well. It was really hard to open up. And I think because my family and her family and all the people around us don't really like mental health is not talked about. It's not really an acceptable thing. None of us do. And that's, you yeah. know, so it was very hard to 
explain this issue because I don't even know what it was and I didn't know how to talk about it, especially right. people who don't understand it. So it was really hard, especially and Jordan too. If Jordan's never, she's so positive, and that's <laughs> like like we balance each other out really well, and that's why it's this relationship works out so well. Um, so she couldn't really empathize or sympathize with the stress and anxiety and depression stuff. So it was like a a, a huge burden off my shoulders once I could just talk about it. I'm going to guess, and again, I'm putting myself in my own brain. I'm going to guess that if it was me and my wife, she might scream at me. She might say, why are you offloading this on me? I've got enough issues. Deal. And then you go back and you hide in your cave and you go, oh, I'm not enough. I can't. Yeah. Did you have that fear? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Every day you wonder if, if you can spin all the plates, you know, keep them all going and, I, the thing that I had to do, I mean, we talk about survival mode. You know, you eventually just get to a place where you're, oh, yeah. you're just going day to day. And so if you can do, if you can tackle that day, you know, if you, if you can get through one day, you can get through tomorrow. You just keep doing that. And then after a while, those days become months and weeks and, you're, and you start getting better. And that's essentially what happened. But I'm guessing there's, a, there's still a difference. You didn't go to Jack. You, you, you went to her. She's better than Jack. That's right. Yes. Because <laughs> my name is Jojo, not Jack. And that's why I'm better. I'm <laughs> just kidding. So there's, there's ways, what I'm getting at is there's ways to deal with it badly. And then there's ways to deal yeah. with it better. Yeah. And yeah. I, I wouldn't judge anyone if they dealt with it poorly. You know, like life is crazy and, and everyone's going to have, you know, something that's going to break them eventually. Um, I would advise you to not, you know, if you can, anyone listening out there, you should avoid that if you can, you know, try to do the best you can and get out of it as quick as you can. That's all you can do is your, your best, you know? And I have to imagine, again, if it was me and I went to my wife, and whether she said it that way or not, if I perceived that she's like, I've got my own issues. My own issues are big. Your issues are little. Deal with it. Yeah. I would have gone to something like Jack. Yeah. Um, but you didn't. So you're the answer. You're You're the goal. You're the solution. You've got the recipe for dealing with this well. Hmm. Well, I don't know if I've constructed a, a nice equation I could give to everyone to, you know, step by step. Uh -huh. uh, but really, it is just, it's perspective, you know, it's for me, it was all about keeping, you know, that raw perspective on life that, you know, it, just that it's, what am I trying to say? If you can keep a healthy perspective on your life and your relationships, and you can hold on to that when things are crazy, you can get through it. What's your, what was your healthy perspective? My healthy perspective is, mm, this is deep. This is sad. Sorry. I don't want to really go here, but uh, sorry. <clears throat> a little bit of just letting go for me is just clinging on to everything, you know, like control, feeling like I could control the situation, feeling like I could change it, uh, you know, wanting to take away the trial she's facing, um, all the hardship and stuff. I'm realizing when you can't control it and just do the best you can every day. That's, that's really it. If you can keep your perspective and do the best you can, you'll keep going. Yeah. Sorry. That's, <laughs> that's really, that, that's what it was for me. I find that I have bad days when I don't have my perspective correctly, you know? So when I don't try to control it, when I just live in it and live the best day I can, um, it's happy. It's good. Yeah. Really good. It's great actually. <laughs> So, but I didn't used to live like that. I didn't need to. It's really just the crazy life events that kind of 
pushed us there. So, you know, my first thought was, my goodness, that's so good. We should end this podcast right now and let that be the last word. But I got to do one more. This is the tough question. And you guys can decide between the two of you who gets this one. How has Jordan's cancer and all of the stuff surrounding it been a blessing to you? Yeah, do you want to take it? Or? Well, we both can. I feel like there's we both lot. should. I think, yeah, you yeah. go first. I think, oh man, there's so much good that has come out of this. And I know it has caused a lot of damage to both of us in different ways. Like you said, his has been a lot of emotional damage from this. Mine has been a lot of physical damage from this. And it's just, we, like you said, we carry the loads differently. There is different loads for us because one is going through physical problems. One is going through the emotional turmoil of the physical problems. So it's a lot, but it truly has brought so much good. I mean, we have our beautiful little son who is the cutest little light of our life. He's he is amazing. so adorable. We call him our little gremlin because he just makes these funny little monster noises all the time. He's, He's just a crack up. And he is just such a blessing to us. I mean, the blessing of what has happened for our relationship, of our communication, we get down to the raw nitty gritty of everything. And I think that's so helpful for us. I mean, right now it's hard. Yeah, like there's ups and downs with that communication, but that communication capability is now there and it's established. And now we're going to have 30 years of solid, rock solid communication, rock solid companionship because we've gone through this so early in our life. And I think that's really cool. I mean, I am so grateful that it happened now so that we can grow together rather than growing and then all of a sudden colliding, if that makes sense, later on in our life when we're already like set in ways. It's like we really are adapting and molding together so early and so fast. And it's really been a great blessing. And I think that just, I mean, all the love and support that has come from every avenue and every facet to both of us. I mean, his friend group, my friend group, our families, our like huge social circle that has just completely poured all this love on us. I mean, it is overwhelming. And I think that's been a huge blessing too. But I think it also solidifies all of your core values as a human, all of the things that you truly care deeply about, those are the things that you realize are still around even after a year and four months. Does that make sense? Like all the little crazy things of life kind of melt away and then you're just stuck with what is really, you know, what really matters. Us, our family, our relationships with people, that's what matters. Our relationship with our Heavenly Father that we care about, you know, and our relationship religiously, like all of that is what we care about. And that's what keeps us grounded. And that's what helps us to just be able to move forward because we have all of this solid foundation now because that's all that there is, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's just whittled down to the foundation. And that's when you really know what you have. And we're just super blessed. Yeah, we're incredibly blessed. I mean, I just echo everything Jordan just said. But yeah, all of our, uh, we have a huge tribe. So shout out to them. They've all been so supportive and helpful. And I'd say all those relationships have improved um, through this this trial. Not just me and Joe have grown closer, me, Joe and Micah, but all of our family, all of our friends have come around and tried to help 
us through this and and yeah i'd say that's like a huge blessing as all of our relationships have gotten better because of the hardship which is i think pretty cool all of your relationships yeah. oh yeah absolutely the thought occurs to me too that uh, purpose of the life of this life is to create who we are and you what i see is that you both have uh, surpassed pretty much everybody in town. <laughs> uh, your relationship with each other is, is uh, there's not words that I would even try to describe. You, who you are personally and individually, inspiration to everyone. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And who you both can be to the next million people who have your situation you found the path dude you're you're the recipe um that doesn't happen <laughs> well, i mean it wasn't easy i i wouldn't recommend anyone walk that road if they don't have to but i'm grateful <laughs> but for will. what i've learned yeah you know i've learned a lot i have a um uh, i have a good friend who has a daughter and i love her like she's my own she was in high school when she said this. She says, when you meet somebody, treat them like they're hurting because they probably are. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, you got a whole lot more wisdom than me. And I'm like a hundred times your age. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you wouldn't recommend it. And maybe everybody else doesn't have your circumstances, but they have circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of them are probably harder than what, you know, well, I'm, we're not blind to that. We go up to the Huntsman and we see people who go through much harder stuff than what we do, too. So. Oh, yeah. Thank you both. Hey, thank you for listening to this Manalizing podcast. I appreciate it. You know, I don't go hunting for men with big stories and big issues to deal with. I find that pretty much any man that I talk to, he's going to have a story. If you're inspired by what you hear, here's my invitation. Join us. Join Manalyzing. Manalyzing.com. Lift and be lifted. Help other men and allow other men to help you. Let's do this together. We look forward to meeting you. Manalyzing.com.